Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day, as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B, and I have a special guest today. Um, I'm super excited to introduce Allie. Um, I met Allie through another HMCC alumni group. Um, I'm so grateful for you in this space because you are a registered dietitian, which, you know, in my past, I probably might have maybe clashed with you maybe I don't know Ali you seem to be really a well-rounded individual who has who's more open-minded than most RDs that I've ever come across so I love it and I don't want to say that negatively but because I don't want to put them in a classification of like old or bad but I do know that in my experience I've been looked upon as I shouldn't be in this space because I'm just a nutrition coach and I don't have like the I don't even know how many years you have of education you can tell us a little bit more about that but Sure. I looked into it up here in Canada and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in school forever. You know, <laughs> I felt like I was in school forever too. It's different too, because at least the way it is in the U.S. and I think it's going to be changing here relatively soon, but I just have a bachelor's degree. So um, I have a four-year degree from a university. And then after I got my bachelor's degree, I had to complete an accredited internship um, before I sat and took my boards. So my internship was about nine months long uh, and you have to go through like a big application process and stuff to do it. And you obviously have to pass your boards and you have to like maintain your certification through continuing ed and stuff like that. Um, but there are some RDs that have their master's degrees. It just kind of depends on the school they go to and how their program works and stuff like that. Cause there are some people that get their undergraduate degree in something and then they go on to get their master's in dietetics and that's when they get their RD. So I don't have a master's degree, um, but there are lots of RDs that do, but it is interesting because there is like the camp of RDs that are kind of elitists, (laughs) I guess. And they think that there's only certain people that should be talking about nutrition, which I guess I don't disagree. Like there are certain people that should be talking about nutrition and certain people that shouldn't, but there are lots of really, really intelligent nutritionists out there that even I have learned from as an RD. So um, just making sure that whoever you're learning from is well-versed in the current research and is giving good information is important. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the thing that for me coming into the world, like, I mean, I of course started as a personal trainer on the floor and I remember just you know, like my experience was, is that if I had to help somebody with nutrition, you know, I, I theoretically speaking, I was like somewhat prescribing meal plans and stuff like that. But I realized, you know, after so many years of trying to do that, especially in the competitive world of bodybuilding, 
this isn't the way, which is why I transitioned into coaching, right? Like understanding that. And I always say to people that are looking for RDs, cause I do have people that will look and, and ask and, and I'll say like, there's a huge difference. Like, I don't want to help you with your disease. I don't want to help you understand all of that stuff. And I'm not someone who's working in a hospital setting or a therapeutic setting or anything like that, including recovery from, um, an eating disorder. Right. But right. I can help coach through some of the stuff that I've learned through. I took a year with precision nutrition um, level two, and I felt like that was so well-versed and they're one of the leading nutrition um, online coaching platforms in the world, you they're know, great. and I felt like that was, you know, and then I, you know, of course the HMCCs and the, you know, functional nutrition and all these things that I've taken over the years. However, I still acknowledge that I don't have that depth that you would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I still appreciate you because what I've met and, and, or who I've met is someone who is kind of doing the same thing, but in a different role, but really wanting to help people. And I'm going to say this, figure their shit out from a different, from different angles. Right. So we're going to dive in because we have a, I think that we have a few topics that you and I are going to talk about, but the one that I feel would be really beneficial is your stomping ground. And I believe that would be mindful eating yeah, and understanding the relationship with food and stuff like that. So it's very, um, I mean, to me, it's important and it's something that I want to learn more about too, as a coach, because I have plenty of clients that come to me that they are macro trackers or they're not, and they just want to get out from underneath all of that and learn, you know, they'll say to me, I want to be an intuitive eater. I'm like, well, pump the brakes here. Yeah. (laughs) There's a difference between intuitive eating and mindful eating. So let's dive in. Like, um, you and I, before we start, we press record, we were kind of talking a little bit about this. And I think this is a great subject or topic to, to discuss. So when we talk about, or when you describe mindful eating or try to educate people on it, can you tell us a little bit more what this means, what it looks like yeah. for, for people? And I don't know, we can probably go into the, even the depths of like, where do you start? Like, how does this all evolve? Yeah. So the way I like to describe mindful eating, because you do it. And we talked about this before we hit record too, is like, we have the, the macro tra- tracking camp, and then we have the intuitive eating camp. And it feels like you have to pick one or the other. And I think mindful eating is a nice bridge between the two. And that's kind of how I use it with my clients too. Cause I absolutely, I have clients that do track macros. I have clients that don't track macros and they're just practicing mindful eating as their way of getting to their goals. Um, But all of my clients, we are talking about mindful eating. So essentially mindful eating is a way to reconnect with yourself and your body and your hunger and fullness cues so that you can start to develop a sense of trust in yourself and what it is that you need. And so with macro tracking, I think there is almost like an inherent assumption that you don't know what you need and that's why you're tracking, right? And I don't think that that's always incorrect, right? Like sometimes people don't know, like they don't know what a portion size is. They don't know how many calories or how much protein they should be eating. So I don't think that's always a false assumption, but after a certain point of time, especially if you've been tracking for a while, you should start to have an idea of how much food you need and how much protein you need. And it can feel really scary to just stop altogether if you've only used tracking as your cue to tell you what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, everything like that. If you just have my fitness pal, and that's the only way you know how much food you should eat, then that can be really crippling because 
do you want to track forever? Like most people don't want to track forever, right? <laughs> so mindful eating is help, helpful because it helps bridge that gap. I talk about how it's, you know, my, uh, my pal is a external cue. Mindful eating is an internal cue, right? And so you want to have, be able to use your internal cues too, to help you to recognize, okay, I feel satisfied after this meal, so I'm going to stop. And actually respecting that, right? Respecting the fact that you feel satisfied because you're going to stop uh, versus cleaning your plate because you already tracked all that food. So obviously you're going to eat it all, right? Like, or I am totally <laughs> that person, or I was the person who like, I never shared my food. Like it's, oh, yeah. we're, we're unlearning this too. It's in my yeah. family, like my husband and even my son for a while just knew like, mom doesn't share, mom doesn't share food. Oh my gosh, yeah. Ali, you and I 100% right there. Like, I feel like, it's like I'm just to don't touch exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I don't want to share my food because I already planned for this amount of food to eat. Yeah. And so, no, I'm not going to not, I'm not going to share it. Um, and it's not really that way now, just because I mean, number one, I'm not trying to lose weight. Um, and I have transitioned more to a mindful eating approach. Um, and again, that's not like, I might not do that forever after I have this baby, like I might go back to tracking for a certain amount of time, but, um, yeah, it's just really helpful to have both. Right. And to trust both and to recognize, like, I can know when I need to stop eating. I can know that it's okay that I need to eat and not be afraid. Like, Oh, is it too early? Or, um, am I going to be hungry later if I eat now? And then I'm going to be over on calories because I ate now, like all that, all that fear that can come if you only have my fitness pal. Right. Right. So when you're talking about that, so like we have people on that camp of like, you know, their, their macro trackers that maybe are, they've come to, you know, either one of us and said, you know, I kind of really want to lean into more of that, like intuitive eating. I feel like I'm a slave to my fitness pal. Where does one start though? Because that fear is very fucking real. Cause I even know for myself, I mean, I always say to people, like, I, I still track here and there too, but I'm a very loose tracker. Like yeah. I know because of the years of putting in the time of like, what does this portion look like? What do I like to eat? But I do recognize that there were many, many times where I was just eating because the number said, I, especially when I was doing my reverse diet, because my brain was still caught in this whole, like, you know, I'm trying to repair my, you know, like pull myself out of adaptations, get my period back. Cause there's a lot of shit going on after my, my bodybuilding but I was like, I was essentially a slave to my reverse diet slash my, my tracker as well. So yeah. what does one do? Like, and actually maybe this is a, a better question. If you are someone who's struggling with it, is that a, is that a cue to be like, whoa, I need to pull away. Right. Like uh, if I'm like a slave to that thing. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be. So, so I'll, I'll have clients that will ask like, which is the better approach? Should I be mindfully eating or should I be tracking? And so a good question to ask yourself is, do I struggle more with knowing what to eat, knowing how much to eat and those kinds of things? Or do you struggle more with the mental side of things of maybe fear around food, fear around social situations, not trusting yourself around certain foods? If or binge eating, like, or just yeah. like binge, you don't have to have binge eating disorder, but instances of binging. If you struggle more with that side of things, then I think mindful eating is more beneficial. So that's a good question to ask yourself. And then as far as where to start, I have several principles that I teach my clients. 
And all of them, like I said, all of my clients are doing this, even if they're tracking. And we just practice those principles in conjunction with tracking. So um, number one is using the hunger and fullness scale to gauge how hungry they are on a scale of one to 10. So one is, you know, you're famished, maybe you haven't eaten in days, you feel weak. 10 is maybe how we feel after a Thanksgiving dinner, right? We've eaten so much, we feel stuffed. We also feel sick, right? You don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. You kind of want to be anywhere between like a three and maybe an eight. So three is you're starting to feel hungry. Maybe you, you notice your stomach is growling. And then eight is I'm satisfied. I might even say I'm full. If I ate more, I definitely wouldn't feel good, right? So that's where you want to be most of the time. So practicing using that scale, um, eating without distractions. So not scrolling your phone or watching TV, uh, not multitasking while you eat. So things like driving your car or doing house chores and things like that. Um, putting your fork down in between bites or putting your utensil down in between bites so you can slow down your meal. That's another one. Um, and then building like a balanced plate. And people often forget this because when they think mindful eating, they just think about what's going on in their head. Yeah. But building a balanced plate is really important because it helps you to be more mindful in the first place, right? Like it's really hard to be mindful if you're eating chips and pizza. Like <laughs> it's just not satiating. It's really easy to overconsume. So still making sure that as you're building your plate and sitting down for your meals, you have a good balance of protein, carbs, healthy fats, and vegetables. So that really does help you to actually be more mindful or I mean more intuitive if you want intuitive if you want to even call it that but so I'll usually have my clients kind of go through the list of those principles and I'll say what do you feel like you're struggling with right now if they're tracking also so what do you feel like you're struggling with right now and let's pick maybe two to three at the most different principles and I want you to focus on those this week as well right so even in conjunction with tracking I want you to also consider your hunger and fullness scale. I want you to practice putting your fork down in between bites. And I want you to practice not pulling out your phone while you're eating your lunch or whatever it is, right? So they can just start practicing those principles in conjunction with also tracking. So when we're talking mindfulness and I'm, I, it got me thinking the whole entire time you're talking. So, you know, you have the person that comes to you who's like super overwhelmed, stressed, they're trying to manage their macros. They want to lose body fat. They have all these goals, right? Like we, we've, we've got these clients mm -hmm. and now they're like, but I want to just be mindful. Mm -hmm. Ali, do you feel that mindfulness can also still go to the very, like to the so far to, I don't know, the left or right, whatever you want to call it that now all you do is think about food. Like, is that something <laughs> that where we have to be like, okay, I went from tracking and I just filled my app and I was just tracking numbers. And yeah, I thought about my next meal all the time, like what I want to put in there. But now all I do is think about something that's on my plate. Like, should I be in this? Am I full? Am I hungry? Like all of these things. So does that become an, uh, a concern for clients? Yeah, I think to some degree it's not abnormal. Um, and a lot of people do come to me kind of with this, maybe complaint is the wrong, wrong word, but just this feeling of, I think about food all the time. And I'm right. so tired of thinking about food all the time. I'm sure you find that with yeah. the trackers too. Right. And it's like, can we just, can, can we I just not <laughs> like, can I just eat food and not worry about it? Yeah. And I think ultimately that is the goal, helping people to understand that there is going to probably be a period of time in between there where they're thinking about it more 
so that the so that they can think about it less, right? Yeah. So you're going to think about it more because you're trying to understand your hunger and fullness cues. Um, you're trying to understand what to eat and how to build a balanced plate. And then as you learn it, you know, you don't think about it as much. It's just like hitting a protein target, right? Like the first time you try to hit a protein target, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to eat. You're planning it all out. Like you're logging everything ahead of time. But then once you've done it for a while, you can kind of just do things on the fly. Uh, so being mindful, I think is very similar in that sense. Um, but then I also think that a lot of times people's like obsession or the way they think about food all the time comes from the fact that they still don't trust themselves that much. Right. right? And so if they are in that place of, okay, well, I'm still overanalyzing everything. Um, I'm still worried about when we go out to eat. Then to me, that's just an indicator of like, okay, we're not there yet. Right. Like if you're still worried about it, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you're worried about. And then I also just want to like give you the confidence and the reassurance of the fact that you know what you're doing. And the only way that you're going to gain that confidence is by practicing it. Right. Yeah. You have to build trust in yourself. Yeah, you got to lean into that discomfort because we know in comfort, we don't grow. But at least in the discomfort, we start to, we discover, we get curious, we start asking more questions. I always say to my clients, like I actually have a client, you know, that had asked about this just this weekend. She has family coming into town and she doesn't have the best relationship with this family. And she's very nervous because she's like, listen, like I, I track and I'm pretty good. And, but they don't understand me. And I'm so worried that I'm not, I, you know, and I'm like, what's the worry? What's this anxiety? And her thing is like, well, I just don't trust myself. Like I'm just going to give in. I'm going to forget all my habits and my behaviors. And then I'm not going to track. And then it's going to be a fuck it weekend. But I'm like, all of the language, the narrative you're telling me right now is the problem. How about we start changing some of this narrative? Like what do you feel you can do? What do you want to do? What do you want this experience to be like? Like, if you don't want to track, don't track. But if you don't trust yourself, we got to ask that question. Why is it the environment? Do these people stress you to a point? Have you ever thought to share your experience with them? Like there's so much that goes into it rather than just be like, okay, yeah, well, whatever, just don't track or be mindful. Because yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. It's, and I'm sure you get tired of hearing it. It's like, change your mindset. Okay, it doesn't, it's not a snap of a finger. Right. On Wednesday, we're like, okay, you need to change your mindset by Friday. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, but like, that's why even for me, mindfulness to, to me, I think you are more in tune to what's actually like, do you like the food? Are you eating slow? Were you even hungry? Like, those are the things that I, I'm, I often ask. And the one thing that I've realized with people who transition a little bit into mindful eating more or less like on the, their days that they struggle the most. So they really want to lean into that discomfort is that they're learning that they actually don't even like the foods that they thought they were drawn to yes. that they were afraid of. And I'm like, see, like now that you've slowed down that bag, of that, that potato chip that you were like, oh my God, I can't get enough of you actually don't even like it. Right. And that's huge. Right. So before we go too further, too much more ahead, because I do have some more questions around hunger and stuff. What is the difference though, if you were, you know, as a, as a dietitian and stuff like that, and a little bit more probably well-versed in this area, what is the difference between mindfulness and intuitive? So the biggest difference intuitive eating is what we would call a weight neutral approach. So if you're going into intuitive eating, you should not have any sort of weight loss goal. So 
if your goal is weight loss, if that's something you care about, then weight or intuitive eating is not for you because sometimes people go into intuitive eating and they lose weight, but that's not always the case. And the whole purpose behind intuitive eating is to repair your relationship with food. It's not, it's not about weight loss at all. So that is the biggest difference. And so it's funny because a lot of times people are critical of intuitive eating because it's not helpful from like a weight perspective. And I'm like, well, that's also not the point. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not their goal. So, okay. Um, so mindful eating still allows you to have some sort of weight-based goal to be intentional around that. Um, but you're pulling some of the principles even from intuitive eating, like the hunger and fullness scale that's from intuitive eating. Right. So it's pulling some of those principles along with some other mindful eating research to use in conjunction with whatever your goal is, whether that's maintenance, whether that's your relationship with food, if you have a weight loss goal, anything like that. See, and, what, and, I, and for me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, my thoughts around intuitive eating and what I try to explain to my clients, especially when they say to me, well, I want to become more intuitive. Okay, well, mm-hmm. you can become a macro tracker. And you can go into mindfulness and then you can become intuitive, but you have to understand the, the, the principle of intuitive, in my opinion, is that you're actually not thinking about the food you're choosing. Like some, um, I, I, I was with um, a really high level expert in the industry. We went for, for lunch uh, years ago and she had mentioned to me that she thought she was an intuitive eater. And this woman's got a lot of followers and she's very, and she's very well versed in behavior and all that kind of stuff. And she actually, she stopped. And when she spoke to us as a group, she said, you know what I've realized today, I'm actually not intuitive. You know why? Because I do care about how much protein I eat mm-hmm. every single day. Like I want to hit 120 to 125 grams, but I'm choosing, I don't track it and whatever. I just know that that's what I want. So intuitively I'm not eating because I'm actually thinking about how much is on my plate, whether or not it's a palm size or at least 20 grams. And she made me think, wow, that is actually, that is the difference because to me, intuitive means you're just eating because that is what you want. That if you want the cookie, you're going to have the cookie, regardless if it has protein, carbs, or fats in it or not, because you've been wanting to eat the cookie for so long that now you're having the cookie. There's no, there's no morality around it. You're just eating the cookie. So that's where I go with it. Like, I'm just like, you don't even really like you think, but you actually don't care to, like you say, drive it towards some kind of like aesthetic goal or, you know, kind of whatever. So that's where I'm, that's my, that's where I think about it. So I don't know if that's the right way to approach it. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, to like hear people like macro trackers that have really in deep with that kind of criticize intuitive eating because a big criticism is like, well, I'm not going to eat intuitively because if I ate intuitively, I would just eat pizza and chocolate all the time. (laughs) And that's not intuitive eating (laughs) because part of intuitive eating is, um, like honoring your body's needs. And that includes its health needs, right? So if that's all you're eating all the time, you're not like, you're not being intuitive. You're not honoring your body's needs. Like you're not fueling yourself in a way that feels good, but it is also about like being neutral about food. And I think all of us can use that principle, like be neutral about food and recognize that, Hey, maybe eating a cookie isn't like the most macro friendly thing in the world. And maybe I don't hit my protein of 125 grams today because I chose to eat a cookie. And now 
I'm full and I don't want to eat anything else. Right. Um, and being okay with that. It's just recognizing like, yeah, I have a craving and I'm going to satisfy that craving and move on with my life. It's so, it's so interesting though, because for, I mean, I think most people will assume just because I, I like macros that mm-hmm. I don't entertain that idea. And I, I really honestly, like, cause you and I are kind of on, on the same um, platform of like rebuilding relationships with food. And I do think that, yeah, macros can help, especially if you're in a weight loss type of thing and I can get you shredded and everything else. But if you have a shitty re- relationship with food, man, like we need to start leaning into being a little bit more mindful of our choices, the reasons, the whys, and all that kind of stuff and understanding, am I hungry? Am I full? All that kind of stuff. So that being said, you talked a little bit about hunger and I do think people get a little confused around hunger. So for me, like when I, when, when someone says to me that they're not very hungry, I often ask them like, what do you mean by that though? Like, are you just not like, is your stomach not growling? Cause we have physical hunger, but we can also have headaches and lightheadedness and dizzy. Like, are you ignoring those? No. Yeah. Right. So what are your thoughts on hunger? What are we looking for? Yeah. So teaching people that hunger doesn't always feel like physical hunger, like your stomach growling. In fact, that's usually like your last sign of hunger. That's usually when your body's like, feed me, feed me. I'm really, really hungry, please. So now it's yelling at you, right? Right. And it is angry. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, that's when we reach our anger point when our stomach is growling, but there's other signs, like you mentioned, getting headaches, um, feeling just general fatigue. Lots of people talk about their afternoon slump. And I mean, Most of the people that talk about their afternoon slump either aren't eating breakfast or they're skipping lunch, like they're working through their lunch. So then they get an afternoon slump and it's like, well, food is literally energy. So no wonder if you haven't been eating why you feel that slump. And maybe it doesn't feel like physical hunger because your brain is distracted, but you're also having, you're feeling physically fatigued. And even just the fact that you feel really distracted, you're having a hard time focusing that is often a sign of hunger as well. So helping people to recognize that it takes practice, I think, number one, and sometimes getting into a good eating routine can actually be really helpful for people in helping them to see what hunger feels like because of the fact that they're in a pattern, right? When their schedules are so um, inconsistent, it's hard for them to understand when they feel hungry because they don't know when they're going to eat again or when they normally eat. Right. So when you have a client that kind of goes all day, like, is that busy person? And you know, like just by maybe if you are looking at their journals or whatever, and they don't eat a lot of food and they say to you, well, I'm not, you told me to listen to my hunger cues and I don't get hungry during the day. What do you say to that client? Like, what's the step to get them to eat more food? Yeah. So there's value in eating food. And I think like on a consistent basis, aside from fat loss, aside from being mindful. So helping them understand like you need to be eating on a regular basis. And you've come to me and you're probably complaining about the fact that you feel tired in the afternoon. You're probably overeating at night. That's also a really common one that we want to fix. Cause they're like, Hey, I feel so out of control. I always binge at night. Here's what my schedule looks like. And it's like, okay, if you want to fix this, then you have to do X, Y, Z first. Right. So helping them to understand the benefits of eating on a regular basis and how that's actually going to help them be more mindful. And so it's like, okay, you might not actually feel physically hungry, but we do know that your body needs food. Okay. So, and there's other signs of the fact that you're hungry. The fact that you're overeating at night is a sign that you were hungry beforehand. The fact that you feel tired all day long, that's a sign that you're hungry beforehand. So 
helping them to get into a routine. And I mean, it may be something very simple, which is fine. Like it does not need to be complicated at all, but helping them to understand that if they have a particular goal, um, usually eating on a consistent basis is going to help them to accomplish it. Even if they don't always see how the two are connected. Cause a lot of times people don't connect. the they two. don't it's, it's crazy, right? It's either like, there's always that extreme of like, I don't know if you come across this, but it's like, they have this goal, whether I, I they don't see it yet, but they're like, I, I feel out of control and everything else. And I want to lose weight. I want to just be more confident in my skin, blah, blah, blah. Right. But what they don't recognize is that it it is all of that. It's not really the calories right now. It's like your behaviors, you know, you go all day without eating, like you're overeating, like all of these, these relationships with food. And we're going to circle back because I have one more question around mindfulness, but it's that kind of stuff that people often ignore. And they don't realize that weight loss isn't actually your goal. Like I, I, I hear you and I respect that that is your number one. But if we don't, like you said before, if we don't start addressing these other things that we see as coaches, you know, helping you and having a second set of eyes on you, on what's going on, if we don't start paying attention to your relationship with food, your body, um, your overwhelm, your stressors, your weight loss goal may never actually come to light. Mm-hmm. It might have with your fad diet, but that was the problem. Your fad diet addressed only the calories, not all the other shit, right? Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to, and then we're going to move into relationship with food because it's a big subject too. And it's one of my things that I hold close to my heart because I too have gone through, um, there's a lot, when I read your posts and stuff, I'm like, oh man, this girl reminds me of myself. (laughs) Um, so when we're talking about goal setting though, Mm -hmm. this is really important because again, we're going to have people that want to lose weight, but they want to be mindful, but they also maybe want to be better at their like lifts and, you know, excel at their CrossFit, but they don't want to track macros and, but they want to be leaner. Like there's all these, like, I want to do how, like, how do you set that goal when you, your, your, your choice is to be just mindful because that's the level of what you want to be. And with that, how do you measure the progress with mindful eating? I, that is one that I even like, I'm like, I think about things that I know I could say like, well, maybe if you're you know, like you're eating more protein on a regular basis, but you're not measuring it. You just know that you're putting more of a balanced plate together. Like you had mentioned, maybe that's a way to, uh, to measure progress, but how do we, how does one do this? Yeah. So it's funny. Cause when I first started implementing mindful eating with my clients, that was probably the biggest thing they came to me with was like, this feels so vague. Whereas with calorie tracking, it's so cut and dry, right? It's like you hit your macros or you didn't, you were over on your calories or you were under. And so they just, it was nice to have very clear cut numbers. And so from moving to something from something like that, that's very structured to something that is a little bit more fluid feels scary, but I just encourage, I've learned to encourage people like that doesn't have to be a bad thing. And just because your progress isn't objective doesn't mean you're not making progress, right? right? So helping them to understand, okay, what could progress potentially look like for you? And what, how do you want to feel at the end of this, right? So, you know, in your ideal world, how do you want to feel? Do you want to feel confident around food? Do you want to feel more confident in social situations or when you're going on out on vacation? Do you want to be able to consistently build a balanced plate? Do you want to be able to recognize and identify like how to build a balanced plate, you know, what is a protein and a carbon fat, which is still important. Right. Um, 
So every week my clients will gauge, they'll rate themselves. They give themselves a grade on how well they did with mindful eating and they'll share, they'll share their experiences of like what went well um, and certain things that may have happened that they noticed. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, even from this week. Um, oh, I had a client who had family over, she had family in town and they, always have a habit of staying up late and just like snacking, you know, foods out and they're just staying up late snacking. And she's gotten in the habit when nobody's, you know, when she, she's not playing hostess of going to bed, like kind of closing the kitchen at eight o'clock and then going to bed a couple hours later. And she just, she doesn't eat late at night. And so now to have, to have family in the house and to be in this habit again, she was like, okay, like this is kind of throwing me for a loop. Yeah. But she realized this week that uh, she was able to come up with a plan and plate up some food, plate up some snacks for herself so she could still be there and still participate. But she wasn't being mindless about it. She was still intentional and she was still participating and not feeling super anxious about it, right? And so that was a huge win for her. So I encourage clients to number one, just like notice those moments and even taking time on a regular basis to reflect either daily or weekly to just give yourself the opportunity to notice those things. Cause sometimes in a weekly check-in people will forget, they'll forget everything that happened during the week and all the little things that were small wins, but even on a daily basis to just pause and recognize like, like this morning for me, I was sitting and I was Marco Poloing a friend and um, my husband had went and got like gummy bears last night. And so there were gummy bears sitting on our bed and they were just sitting there open on our bed. And I was barking her. I just grabbed the gummy bears and I started eating them. I was like, I'm not, what am I doing? Like, I don't even want to eat these. Like, what yeah. am I doing? And I, and I just set them down. I never would have done that a couple of years ago. I just would have kept eating them and yeah. thought nothing about it. So moments like that of like, oh, I was able to just like stop in the middle of eating those and put them away. That's a win. Yeah, that's huge. I, um, I, I 100%, um, agree with all of that because there's, I think that it's, I, I wanted to say it's the woo-woo shit that no one wants to celebrate because they don't think it's enough. Yeah. And it is, it's more than enough. It's actually, in my opinion, and you know, this might break some of my clients' hearts. Like I would far sooner them have goal or um, wins like that than for them to say, well, I've hit my macros perfectly and I've lost two pounds because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm still going to dive into that two, that two pounds. Cause mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, what does it mean? Where are we headed? Be especially like if it's someone who wants to get shredded on purpose, like they have hired me to help them get lean. We've done the work. They know the, you know, the protocol, we know what we're doing. We got an exit strategy, all that. They're a different story. But when I have someone who's trying to stop binge eating um, or overeating, because they've never been diagnosed, but they know they're on their, their, the path, right. Or they just have a really shitty relationship with food. Like this is the stuff, like the small stuff adds up. I don't care that you didn't hit your macros perfectly. I, I love the fact that you didn't sit there and eat the entire bag of chips because yeah. you realize that you don't even like them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those are huge, huge wins. And to be honest, it's really, really hard to sustainably hit a fat loss goal. If you have a poor relationship with food, you could probably do it. Um, but to do it sustainably and not gain the weight back, if you have a poor relationship with food, like it's going to be really, really hard. So I like to tell my clients of operations and first we need to make sure that you have a good relationship with food and your body 
And then like, once we get all our ducks in a row there, then we can start to see weight loss. And I have a client right now. We've been working together, I think five months now. And she spent a lot of time working on her relationship with food. And now we've been able to get a little bit more aggressive when it comes to macros and tracking and the weight's just coming off. And it's like, it's so much easier. There's so much less just like drama around it because she has a really positive relationship with food and she trusts herself. And it's just really, really exciting to see. Yeah. And this is a perfect segment. So, you know, where we can kind of dive into that. So when I look at relationships with food, I mean, I think about my own um, extreme relationship that I had. Um, I, I was never that person that was like a binge eater or anything like that, but I definitely was like good versus bad, clean, um, cheat meal, you name it. I mean, I was, I was brought up in the bodybuilding world, but I also know that it probably developed very, very young. I used food as probably a coping mechanism because I was, I just, I, you know, I've never gone to therapy over, but I talk about it, uh, you know, numerous times over the podcast that I just know that I would eat food, Mm -hmm. probably my feelings. And it wasn't until, you know, after I competed and everything else where I started to have some real big aha moments in myself, because I'm coaching clients, telling them have the banana. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, I'm not eating the, the banana. <laughs> like, what is, this is not making sense. And yeah, actually, you don't like, even believe what you're saying. Right. I'm doing meal plans back in the day, you know, in their early 20, you know, 2009 to 2012 um, era of bodybuilding. And, you know, I've got my clients, you know, eating clean, have and saying you can have a cheat meal, turn into a cheat day. I mean, I'm instructing clients to do this shit, right? Yeah. We've and all it, done, yeah, right. And, then, planner too. <laughs> right. and at the same time, I'm saying, no, you can't have the fruit, don't have milk, all this stuff. Right. So I, I was brought up in that. Um, and I do, I'm not blaming bodybuilding, mm -hmm. but my, my drive for that look definitely fueled the fire. I've, I've lived off of the validation that I got from people telling me how good I looked I mean, I talked to my, my client about this, um, in a future podcast episode coming up that, you know, like that's how I, I absolutely love people telling me how good I looked. And that just made, it almost did reinforce that whole, like what I was doing was right. Yes. But then, you know, after coming out of it, I quickly realized like, whoa, we got to pump the brakes on that. So fast forwarding to where I am now, like I did use a reverse diet to help me rebuild my relationship with food. Um, I actually had a, few, a couple of coaches that helped me understand flexible dieting a little bit more for myself and macro tracking. I did the reverse diet on my own and I was still very, very scared. I didn't share that with many people. Like, I don't even think I even talked to my husband about it. Like I was just like meticulously tracking yeah. every carb and fat to make sure that I was increasing it. And I could have 10 chocolate chips now. And then, you know, like, that's why I went for like a good year of like, okay. Cause it was so strict to begin with, but now I'm in this place where I actually don't have I mean, I don't have morality around food. I know that there's nothing good or bad, but I will still sometimes catch myself, Allie. And I know I read a post with you recently about like, just because of your, your phase of life right now that you're in with pregnancy and body image and stuff like that. But for me, there is that there are times where I'm just like, I shouldn't have the cookie. Like I'm thinking, what yeah. the fuck? And, <laughs> no, it doesn't go away. Why I want right? to tell you like, but what did change is that it doesn't keep going to, I can't have the cookie. I wake up and say, 
I can have the cookie and I'm going to have the cookie. Right. Like you talk back to that voice. Yeah. Whereas before I would just either shut it down or I would just listen to it and say, can't have the cookie. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm not binging, but I can't wait to have that cookie on my cheat day. And it's going to be like, instead of a meal, it's going to be all day. And it's going to start from midnight all the way through. Like, that's what it was like for me. It was a cycle where on off on off. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I see now is most women that are coming to me, they've done the fad diets. They've done everything. They've done the ketos, you name it. They've done it all. And they just want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to help them understand that you are a byproduct of the choices that you've been making. You know, we go through the history, your relationship with food seems to be playing a huge role, but where did that start? So for you, what do you see? What do you see happening in this industry? Where are women like, where's the starting? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's a big question. I know, but, but I think it's got, we've got a lot of answers that could probably relate to a ton of people. Right. Yeah. I mean, people's relationship with food, it starts young. It starts super, super young. And for women, especially because there is so much of a societal focus on how women look, how we're supposed to quote present ourselves and what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. And I mean, you're seeing a little bit of a pushback now with some like of a feminist feminist movement, which I'll try not to get like too ranty on here that in that respect, but I think it really does start young. I can I, I have clients that have been dieting for decades, you know, their mom put them on a diet when they were 12 or 13 because, oh, do this diet with me, you know? Um, Let's put this into perspective a little bit. How old are you? I'm 31. I had to think about that. I'm 47. So we have a little bit of a different demographic and societal pressure of everything, but it's still actually the same. Yes. Just in different, I think it's, it just came at different intervals and different types. Like we went through like eating the keto, the weight watchers, the, you know, you gotta be thin, like a, I don't know, was it Twiggy? There was like Twiggy. Yeah. (laughs) That was my mom's era. Right. Right. I remember my mom doing aerobics every night and every day, like wanting to, you know, and then on all these diet phases too, and looking at herself, squeezing her belly saying, do I look thinner? Like Mm-hmm. I, that's ex- I, like I said, I think it started young for me as well because it was body image. Cause I was overweight as a kid mm-hmm. and yeah. Old. yeah. And I think, I think a lot about, you know, how my mom raised me and I am very, very lucky that I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I probably have a better body image than the average woman. And I think it has a lot to do with the way I was raised and the way my mom talks about food with me, the way my mom did or didn't talk about my body. Um, she was intentional about the different types of extracurricular activities that I did. And I never remember my mom dieting either. So I think that played a really big role, but I also think I am more the exception than the rule. Um, because I do, I, with most of my clients that I talk to, they have been self-conscious about their weight from at least the time they were 18, you know, (laughs) forward and sometimes even younger. And there are a lot of forces that push that. And 
they're not gone either. I, like I said, there's definitely more of like a feminist movement, more of a body positive, body neutrality movement, which I fully support. Um, but I, I think the overwhelming societal norm is that women need to look a certain way. And I, maybe it's not just women, like men have pressure too, but I do think there's more of just pressure on women in general that your appearance matters more than what you have to say or anything like that. It's so true because even for myself and I, I, I lived it, I felt the pressure as a coach who went through bodybuilding to then like, you better not gain all this weight back and rebound because you are a coach and you should know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Cause yeah, if not, you've let yourself you go struggle. Right. And yeah, I, right. Exactly. And so I just feel like that, pow- that really, really, it definitely fueled my whole relationship with food and that I needed to be some sort of superior person by eating clean all the time and never having the cookie, unless it was my quote unquote cheat days, like cheat days, even like it was like glorified, like you're better than everyone. Cause you can have a cheat day. Like you've earned it. Like you've earned it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like and that alone is problematic. <laughs> right. But then it's like the guilt and the shame and everything that chases it. It's not, there's no glory in that at all. Right. So yeah. what do you think the challenge is though, with, with rebuilding that relationship with food? Because for me, I see like clients just are so scared because of what they see in the industry. And like you said, in the very beginning of this podcast is like, you know, if you're, if you have people in the industry that are evidence-based and can, you know, give, provide you the research and are up to speed with what's going on in the, in the industry and in nutrition and all that in general, you actually shouldn't have to worry too much. It's the, the problem I see is that there's still shitty ass co- coaching there's the fad diet, you know, that just won't stop. It doesn't matter what it is. There's the only way, one way, like there's never, like you said, in the middle Mm -hmm. that this may not work. It might work for you. Like lean into the discomfort a little bit, try it, but maybe it doesn't work. Like there's not enough of that. It's like one extreme to the other. Yes. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget as a coach because I like have my head in my little evidence-based bubble. And then every once in a while I'll peek my head out and I'm like, oh, we're still talking about that. Like that's still what we're doing here. I thought we were done with that. But we kind of just get wrapped up in our own bubble of, you know, good coaches that we like to (laughs) surround ourselves with. But it's true that that is the norm is that there's still lots of really bad information that exists out there. So I think number one is just recognizing, not recognize that you have a problem. This sounds like, but recognizing that, Hey, maybe my relationship with food isn't the greatest. And how do you recognize that? So, um, just observing like, what's your language around food? Do you have any anxiety around food? Do you, do you feel like you can't trust yourself around certain foods? Um, are you labeling foods as good food or bad food or clean food, right? Um, those are kind of sneaky things that are very common. Like we hear them all the time. We see the food labeled in the grocery store as guilt-free and clean and things like that. And recognizing that those are probably contributing to some internal dialogue that you have around what is acceptable for you to be eating and what's not acceptable for you to be eating. Right. So do you, can you say that you're truly neutral about food or do you view it as good and bad? And, um, do you feel some level of morality when you eat certain foods versus not right? Or am I allowed to eat this because, 
I don't know, can I have dessert because I had a burger, you know, <laughs> like those right. kinds of things, the thought around earning food, like those are all some, I guess, red flags that you can look for in your own life. And if you notice any of those things to pause and take a step back and say like this, it, it doesn't have to be this way and you can still be healthy. Like this is not, you don't have to think about food that way in order to be healthy. Like you well, can, and I think too, you know, to, when we look at, when you start diving into those questions that you just mentioned, maybe that's where some people can start to recognize that maybe it's, yeah, I, I, I do believe that bread and carbohydrates are bad, mm-hmm. but maybe then they re- recognize that, but I overeat them all the time mm-hmm. yeah. and making that relationship of like, oh, I tell myself I can't have it, but I, all I do is want it. Like, I want it so bad that that's what I do. And kind of putting those puzzles together to recognize that maybe this is the problem, that fear, that language, the narrative that you just talked about is the problem. Okay. So that in order for you to eliminate now the overeating, the overconsumption, the guilt, the shame that chases that, you have to work on bringing that food into your life or becoming neutral with it somehow, right? Yeah. And I mean, even just getting really curious about your thoughts, I think can be really, really helpful. Um, that's been really helpful for me. And this whole journey is recognizing and becoming aware of what was going on in my head, not just like listening to every little thought that came into my brain, but becoming aware of it and then being like, okay, this bread is bad. Why do I think it's bad? And maybe do I know people that are healthy that eat bread? Maybe do I? And if they do, then maybe is it potentially possible for me to also be healthy and eat bread? Right. Oh, that's so, good. I like that. Yeah. Like, cause it's so true. Um, it's just so funny to me because in my head now I'm like, it seems obvious. Like there's plenty of healthy people that eat fruit or are vegan or whatever it yeah. is. And so it's probably possible for you too, if that's what you wanted to do. So there's definitely not a one size fits all approach. But well, yeah, just getting curious. Yeah. And I think that you, you nailed it right there too. Like when you're getting curious about a food, asking the question about it though, like, so if you think it's bad, like, cause that's a negative thought around that food, break it down. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you deem bad? Okay. What is that narrative? And then what is, what is good? I always say to people, there's always going to be a better choice mm-hmm. because what you, what you choose is, is really what's up you know, it's, it's what's best for you. And maybe in a moment, this was best, but there could still be a better choice mm-hmm. or maybe not. Right. Yeah. But diving into it of like, you know, like, I mean, we even see it with the marketing and stuff like that, that just because something says, you know, you can eat this cause it's guilt-free or, you know, like whatever, like, I don't know. There's so much out there. I, I can't, I don't even, I'll be honest. I don't read shit like that anymore. I just ignore it. (laughs) To be honest, if I want the fucking cereal, I'm going to have it. I don't care if it says no sugar added or organic. I actually don't care. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it better. It's my choice. That's what makes it better for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. There's so much marketing. It really is interesting to see. And I, I think for people that aren't in the industry, it's no wonder that they're confused. Like I don't blame them for being confused because they don't understand also like the amount of money and research that goes into things like that too. Like the fact that 
companies study and they take advantage of the fact that, oh, people will buy this if it says it's organic. People will say they'll buy it if it says it's all natural or if it's clean or something like that, or if it's labeled as high protein when even, even if it has like four grams of protein per serving, right? <laughs> they'll buy it because they know it sells and people have no idea. Or the fact that food is designed for us to eat more of it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, 100%. So I don't pl- blame people for the fact that they're confused or the fact that they have a bad relationship with food because there's a lot of problematic messaging that exists in our world. But just learning how to recognize that and then be able to see it and see what's happening in your own brain and question it a little bit and be like, is this, is this thought serving me? Is this helping me? Is, or maybe, maybe I don't have to feel guilty about eating this popcorn even though the label doesn't say that it's guilt-free right right (laughs) maybe I can just eat it and not be guilty I know it sounds so easy for us to talk about this because Ali I agree with you like sometimes you just you kind of shake your head at like this is just to me it's common sense but I too was the person who I was afraid of dairy I was afraid of fruit bread you name it but hey I could have it again like I said if it was designated for my cheat meal because that somehow made it okay Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of wrap this up a little bit, but I have a couple of questions for you because I feel like you could answer this and maybe you just have, you know, a few hot tips for us, but to summarize it though, with your relationship with food, if you know, you're struggling, if you've answered some of these questions and you do have, like you, you have deemed yourself like, yeah, I have a poor relationship with food. Like I often call things good versus bad. I overconsume, I end up binging or whatever it is on said food, but I ignore it most of the week, blah, 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 whatever that looks like fears or whatever. Do you have like one or two tips that you absolutely think are game changers in helping you step towards rebuilding that relationship with food? Uh, I would probably get help, (laughs) like hire a professional. Therapy is what helped me. So like either having like a therapist or even working with a coach that specializes in relationship with food. There's certain RDs that do, I do, um, So having a coach was really, really helpful for me because learning to become aware of your thoughts is hard. And sometimes you need somebody else to point it out to you first. So um, I would say that is one. And then practice trusting yourself. So if you're noticing like, hey, I have fear around food or benching around food, you have to recognize like there is a level of distrust there. And if you want to reestablish that trust, the only way you establish trust with anyone or anything is giving yourself the opportunity to trust, right? And to kind of like put yourself out there a little bit and see how things go and recognize that with that, it's going to take practice. It's going to take time and it will probably not go exactly the way you want it to every time, especially in the beginning. And that's okay. Like it's a learning opportunity. I think you're, yeah, I would agree with both of those um, 100%. And just to kind of tag off of your last talk about trust, it's kind of like, you know, the no like trust factor we try to build even with our clients. Like you're out there creating content. You're talking about all the things that you're passionate about and what you know about and everything. And people are starting to get to know you and they like you, Allie, and they trust what you're saying is to be true, right? They got to know you by kind of maybe looking more deeper into your background and more of the, more of the content that you, t- you talk about and whatever, all that kind of stuff, right? And I think the same could be held true for food is like, if we get to know food, so we start to like, don't ignore it, understand it, figure out what it is that you are, you know, like that relationship, like, are you afraid of it? What does that look like? Get curious about that. Okay. 
like? What do you like or not like? What is going on here? What is that relationship? Where did it stem from? All that. So like you get your no, your like, do you really like the food that you've been demonizing? Do you, you know, what does that look like there? And then trust and leaning into it. Maybe giving yourself permission to just try to see that nothing terrible. And this is the problem too. Like, I don't even like to use the word bad half the time now because it's around food, but nothing terrible is going to happen if you lean into having that apple, mm-hmm. right? You, you do have to learn to trust. And I do a hundred percent believe in that. Like, cause again, I could go back to my own situation as like, can't have chocolate, can't have it, but I could have it on Saturday. So I'm like, how do I learn to eat this on a regular basis? So I don't feel like I can eat it all on Saturday. Right. And so it was just like, I'm going to have a little bit every single day. Yeah. And I did, I, and I typically tell clients, and I mean, of course, this is after they've been working with me and we understand a lot of things, but I do typically ask them like, what is that list of foods that you absolutely fear? Like, Mm -hmm. and let's, and let's take that from a level of like, absolutely forbidden. You could never have it you know, it is a stop red light in your house to like more of a green light. I can have it, but I still love it. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be a trigger, like figuring out where that is. And then kind of maybe leaning into the one that's the least, you know, like the least feared and eat it consistently and, sh- and prove to yourself, give yourself evidence that it's actually okay to have it, that you're not going to somehow gain 20 pounds because even that, that, um, that thought that you, and I'm sure you've heard this. Well, I can't eat those carbs because they just go right to my ass. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> just yeah, <the> no. <laughs> but just, <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, um, I don't know, like, it's such a big, it, it's a, it's a huge topic, but I think that, um, you've really kind of helped us dive into that a little bit. Is there anything you wanted to leave as last comments around relationship with food or mindful eating, um, that kind of thing? Well, I liked just what you were saying, kind of like how you develop trust in a person or a coach and you can start to develop that trust in food. As you were talking about that, I was just thinking about like how much I love food. I love, love food. And I think I've always loved food. I love cooking. Um, That's how like my family connects too. And that's like how my mom showed love when, even as a kid, and like we had sit down dinners together as a family every night growing up. And so I think because of that foundation I had, I, and the fact that I always loved food and I didn't ever feel a lot of shame around the fact that I loved food. Um, I was really able to cultivate a really positive relationship in general with it. And to really appreciate the fact that like food is a beautiful thing. Like it really can connect us with other people and it gives us an opportunity to like share relationships. And for me, it's a creative outlet. I'm not artistic. I can't like paint or draw or anything like that, but I can cook. And to be able to go into the kitchen and create something from nothing and, you know, sit down with my son and feed him a meal and have him get interested in new foods and excited to try new things. Like that's a really, really beautiful thing. And not everybody has to feel as passionately as I do about food, but to be able to like bring that light into your life and to just like, let it be without it, without feeling resentment towards it or fear around it. 
it just brings so much freedom into your life. And that's what I want for clients. And I think that's what has ultimately like guided me to the place I am now as a coach is like, I always knew inside, like how much I loved it and how much I always wanted that to be a part of my life. And along the lines, like I got really into macro tracking. And I think that part of it is cool too. I think it's cool to figure out like how we can use food to accomplish our goals, whatever they are, and to even celebrate our bodies in a way. I think that's awesome. Um, But viewing it in that way versus like, this is bad and I have to fear it versus this is amazing. Like this is an amazing tool that can be used in so many different ways to help enhance my life. And that's that's what I want to leave people with. That's awesome. I feel like all I could hear in you was saying like, this is food freedom. It really is. Um, it's, it's a, it's a way in which to achieve that. And I appreciate you so much in this space, because like I said, like, you're not, you're not, if you're not the typical RD, like you actually are coaching. And, and I, like I said, I don't, there's, you call them elitists. Yeah. <laughs> there are some in this industry, but there are with coaches too. Like, let's not get like, we're not perfect either Ali or I, but I do. I love it resonates so much with me. And I know it's going to resonate with a lot of people listening to this podcast. So Finally, where can people actually find you? Like, where are your stomping grounds? Yes. So I'm Allie Henry RD on Instagram. Allie Henry dot RD. Sorry. There's a dot. Oh, thank you. Don't worry. <laughs> Allie Henry dot RD and then Allie Henry RD dot com. And I'm actually launching a mindful eating course. It launches next Friday. So oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we'll make sure we put that in the link. The thing is, is that here's what, where I want to leave everybody with is that you can choose to do whatever it is that you want to. But I think the message here that Ali and I are both sharing with you is that you got to find what works best for you. You do have to do the work. This is not something that happens overnight. You can choose to be macro tracker, lean into mindful eating, and eventually maybe become intuitive. You can be someone who is just a macro tracker uh, and practices mindful eating on the weekend type of scenario. Like there's so many ways in which you can approach your own nutrition, wellness, and optimize it however you want. There's never one way. It's always going to be what's best for you. And if you're seeking to find food freedom and rebuilding that relationship with food, this is where it's at. Yes. Girl, it's been a pleasure. I'm super excited to continue uh, our relationship in HMCC alumni. So um, I want to thank you for being here. And I guess I will see everyone in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at Motivate and Be Fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.